الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحان الذي اسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام الى المسجد الاقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من اياتنا انه هو السميع البصير سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد مبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد مبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد مبارك وسلم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the beloved messenger Muhammad al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the imam al-anbiya, as the imam al-insan, as the imam al-malaika, as the imam al-awwaleen wal-akhireen, as the imam of the prophets, of the imam of all of humanity, of the imam of all the angels, as the imam of all the people who were in the beginning, all the people who were in the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as Imam al-Qul, as Imam of each and every atom of creation. So tonight we are gathered here today to think and reflect upon the life in the, of the beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and specifically this event of the Islam the Miraj, of the night journey and ascension of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and think what can we learn from this for our life. What lesson can we take here today in the masjid from this blessed and this noble event? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran actually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us that we should remember these days. That we should remember these special days where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent His special mercy upon the ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands, وَذَكِّرْهُمْ بِأَيَامِ اللَّهِ That you should make tazkirah, you should make mention, you must remember the ayamillah, the days of Allah. Those special days in the history of our deen, in the life of our beloved Messenger ﷺ. If you look at our Islamic calendar, the first month is the month of Muharram, the last month is the month of Zulhijjah, and the month of Rajab falls in the middle. In the first half of the Islamic year, Allah Taala gave us one happiness in the month of Rabi'ul Awal, which is the month in which the beloved Messenger ﷺ was born. In the second half of the year, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us another happiness. He gave us the month of Ramadan, the month in which we draw closer to Him, the month which we should be spending the next few days and the next month preparing for. And in the middle of the Islamic year came the month of Rajab. And in the night of the 27th of Rajab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called His beloved to Him, gave Him the ranks that nobody ever had been given before. On this night of the 27th of the month of Rajab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon humanity an honor, a rank, a status, the like of which was never bestowed upon any aspect of creation. <coughs> if we look at the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his nabuwa, his prophethood, became apparent when he was 40 years of age. In other words, his nabuwa, his prophethood, was revealed in front of humanity when he was 40 years of age, but it comes in a hadith that the Prophet Muhammad said, "Kuntu nabiyan," that verily I was the Prophet wa Adamu bain al ma'i wa when the Adam alayhi was still in between water and earth. 
it means that Prophet Muhammad because he's Imam al-Awwaleen, that he was actually a Nabi from the very beginning of time. But his izhar, the appearance of his Nabuwa came on this world when he was 40 years old. Now when the Prophet revealed his Nabuwa, we must see what were the things that happened in his life before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called him up to him on the 27th of Rajab of that fateful year. So when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu became an, his Nabuwa became apparent and he started to call his friends, his family members, his relatives, the people of his tribe of Quraysh, the people of Makkah Mukarramah to this deen, to call them to believe in the oneness of Allah, to call them to testify to his messengerness, his prophethood, his risala. What happened? His family members rejected him. The members of his tribe and clan, they disappointed him. They persecuted him. They oppressed him. They mocked him. They failed to believe in him. So imagine how sad the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ must have been. Anybody would think that if I've gotten some incredible gift, that the first people who appreciate this gift will be the very same people who for my entire life called me as sadiqul Amin, the truthful one, the trustworthy one. But his family members, his members of his clan, they repressed him, they left no stone unturned in his persecution. So much so that in the seventh year of his Nabuwa, in the seventh year, in other words, when he was 47 years old, the Kufar of Makkah said, that, no, now we have had enough of you, we have had enough of your companions, all of you must just simply leave Makkah Mukarramah. And they did what in today's language you would call economic sanctions, economic boycott. They boycotted the beloved Messenger Salman and their companions. So where did they go? They went to this valley shop, Abi Talib, this valley in between the mountains, right outside of Makkah. In this place, this was a desert valley, there was nothing, no food, no water, no sustenance. Then the kuffar, the unbelievers, they made sure that nobody would trade with the beloved messenger. Even if the family members tried to send anything to the sahaba, the kuffar would prevent the family members from sending anything. Once a relative of Sayyidina Khadija, the Anha, once one of her relatives tried to come secretly and bring some food to the Prophet and his companions, the kuffar of the Quraysh, they stopped her, they forbade her, they punished her, and said, no relatives, nobody can send anything, nobody can help them in any way. For three years, the Prophet Muhammad and the companions lived like this. Three entire years, they lived in such a way that their family was cut off from them, their city was come off from them, all supply lines, all trade, all relations, social relations, everything was cut off from them. Three entire years they lived this way. And all of a sudden one day, Allah put this in the heart of the Prophet. Ya my beloved Muhammad that I reveal to you today that that piece of paper which the kuffar, which the disbelievers wrote that they were going to boycott you, that nobody can trade with you, the agreement they made amongst themselves, that nobody will trade with the Prophet and his companions. And they put that agreement up, they posted it up on the Kaaba, on the Baytullah. Allah said, O Prophet, I have declared today, after three years of hardship, I have declared, I have ordered the ants, the termites, to eat that piece of paper, and the only thing that is left on that piece of paper is my name, is the ism jalala, is the word Allah. So Rasulullah then he went and he told his uncle Abu Talib. And he said that this is what Allah has revealed to me. Abu Talib went to the leader of the Quraysh and he said that go check that piece of paper that you posted up on the Kaaba. But the Prophet Muhammad has told us that his Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told him that the ants have eaten everything else except the name. So 
So the leaders of the unbelievers, they went, they saw the piece of paper, and they saw truly that the ants had eaten everything away, the termites had eaten everything away, the only thing that was left was the name of Allah. But these people's hearts, who were so hard, that they could persecute the imam of all of creation, these people whose hearts were so hard, that the children of the Muslims were suffering from thirst and hunger for three years, these people whose hearts Allah found describes in Quran, that in their hearts is a sickness, a disease, a cancer. Allah put a crust, a layer of rust coating onto their heart. Even when they saw this miracle of Allah, they failed to take hidayah. But this much was done that those family members of the companions of the beloved Messenger they said that now since, Allah, since this document has been destroyed, we are no longer held to this treaty and now we will go back to supporting our family members. So then the Sahaba were allowed to come back and this boycott ended. This was the tenth year of the prophethood. That in that next year, two very deep personal things happened that very much hurt and made sad the Prophet Muhammad The first thing that happened, his uncle Abu Talib, he passed away. His uncle was a great source of comfort for him, a great source of solace, a great source of protection for him. And then shortly thereafter, his beloved wife, his noble wife, Sayyidina Khadijah al-Kubra, she also passed away. So Prophet Muhammad used to refer to this year of his life as Amul Huzun, or the year of my sorrow, the year of my sadness. In the tenth year of Nabu'ah, then Prophet Muhammad had these two tragedies, he was so sad. And then when the kuffar, the unbelievers saw that Prophet has lost the protection of his uncle, he has lost the comfort of his wife, then they start to persecute him and the believers even more. One day Prophet thought in his heart that my people of my own city have rejected me. My own family members have rejected me. My own clan has rejected me. So then he occurred to him that why do not go outside of Makkah Makarama and see maybe Allah Ta'ala will give hidayah, will give guidance to people outside. So he went to Taif. There were three brothers, three rulers of Taif. There were three brothers. So he went to each and every one of them. Each and every one had a specific territory. He went to the first brother and invited him, gave him the message of Islam. So that brother said something very strange. <coughs> one brother said that if you are the messenger of Allah, then it does not befit me that I should speak with you. This is how shaitan tricked him. That if you are the messenger of Allah, it does not befit me that I should speak to you. And if you are not the messenger of Allah, then I do not wish to see the face of the people who lie. The next brother was even worse and said, Are you, you claim to be the messenger of Allah? Do not Allah have somebody better than you to send? Go away from my presence. And the third brother said, That if you are the messenger of Allah, then it means that this is the signal of the end of Kaaba. In other words, all three brothers rejected Prophet Muhammad So the Prophet Muhammad who had left his own city, who had left his own people, hoping that the people outside in Taif would have hidayah, he was again disappointed. He left with a sad heart. When he left, these three brothers, they sent the young men of Taif after him. They said, punish him, teach him that the people of Taif are firm on their false religion. Make sure you punish him in a way that he never comes back here again. So those young men, they attacked the Prophet ﷺ and they started throwing rocks upon him. When they started throwing rocks at him, wounds started to come from his face and body, that it comes in hadith that his shoes became filled with blood. His na'lain, his two shoes became filled with blood. 
the Prophet of Mercy, Rahmatan lil Alameen, who came to bring Hidayah and mercy to those people, he is being run out of their city, he is being attacked, such that his shoes are filled with blood. Then finally those young men went away. On the way, Prophet Muhammad he stopped at a tree to rest. Then the angel Jibreel came to him. And the angel Jibreel came to him and said, that, O Prophet Muhammad if you wish, Allah will destroy these people of Taif. The Prophet made a dua to Allah that, O oh Allah, are you angry with me? Allah, have I displeased you in any way? Allah, I want nothing else in the world but to earn your pleasure. I will keep trying to earn your pleasure until you are pleased with me. So that immediately his dua was answered and the angel Jibreel came down and said that, O oh Prophet Muhammad, if you wish, Allah will send a storm and destroy and wipe the people of Taif, the entire city, all his people from the face of the earth. Or if you wish, we the angels will take the two mountains that surround the city of Taif and bring the two mountains together and crush the people of Taif in between. So Prophet Muhammad did he say, yes, you should do that? He said, no. He said, oh Jibreel, tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that truly these people didn't take hidayah, they did not accept me, but it's only because they could not recognize me. Maybe there will be some people amongst their descendants who will accept the deen of Islam, so leave them as they are. Look at the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as some of you may know, from amongst that same descendants came a famous Shaykh, Shaykh Qasim. And he went and traveled and spread Islam all over Afghanistan, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Where today there are at least 500 million Muslims. All because of the rahmah of beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa that he chose not to afflict them with punishment. In fact, the Prophet sallallahu he would do everything for this deed. Once the kuffar of Quraysh called him, in fact, when his uncle was alive, they called his uncle and said, we are sick and tired of your nephew. He is causing so many problems. Why don't you remove your protection from him? And his uncle said, no, I will not remove my protection. Then they said, call Prophet Muhammad to us. The Prophet Muhammad went and visited them and they said to him, that if it is money that you want, we will give you all the money that Makkah has. If it is power that you want, today we will make you our political leader, our Amir. And if it is women that you want, then you can choose from the prettiest woman in all of Mecca and we will make them your wives. This is also a sign for us that this is the temptations of the world. That Allah will test all of us in the same way and we should see do we have the sunnah reaction. Sometimes Allah will test us with money. That give up your deen, give up the sharia for the sake of some money. So we should remember my beloved messenger wasallam. it is a sunnah that you do not sacrifice this deen for the sake of money. Sometimes Allah will test us and send an opportunity for us to give up to attain status or power or fame. But we have to sacrifice something in the sharia. So we should remember the sunnah of our beloved messenger wasallam. that when all the power of all the clans of all of Makkah were presented in front of him, he did not take it because he wanted to preserve his deen. And third, if because of some woman or some glance or some relation, for the men it's the woman, for the women listening for a man, if she wishes to have an un, uh, unlawful relationship, if Allah tests her or tests him with an unlawful relationship, they should think that Allah also tested the messenger. And Rasulullah said that he would not give up the deen for the sake of some woman or some human being. So these are lessons for us. That Prophet did not give up his deen for all of these different things.
So after the Prophet went to Taif, and then he made this dua to Allah, and then Jibreel Islam then came to him and asked him should we punish the people, and the Prophet said no. Then where did Prophet go? He went to the house of Umm Hani, anha. And there he lay down and he made dua. He was so sad. His people had persecuted him. His people had put him and his companions through three years of hardship. He had spent the year of sorrow. He had lost his uncle. He had lost his beloved wife. He tried to take the message outside of Makkah. The people of Taif had rejected him. Now he didn't know what to do. He hadn't, didn't understand what he should do. So he turned and he made dua that, Oh Allah, I wish only that there was some friend who would comfort me at this time. I wish only there was some being who would help me at this time. I wish there was some being who would comfort my heart, put peace in my heart at this time. And saying these words of dua, he fell asleep. And then it was on this night, after so much hardship, after so much suffering, after so much patience, that Allah chose to call the beloved messenger up to his presence. So when Apostle Sam fell asleep, what happened? The angel Jibreel came to him. And what did the angel say? That verily know Muhammad Mustafa وسلم, that Allah sends you his salam, sends you his greetings, and he invites you, he has called you to him. So Prophet became so happy that, oh my Allah has sent me salams, that my Allah has called me unto him. And then it comes in a day that Jibreel even went further and he said, Inna Rabbaka yushtaku ilayk. That verily know that your Lord is mushtaq, that He is desirous of meeting you. That Allah wants you to come, He is yearning to meet you. Look at the love Allah had for the Beloved. The greatest love in this world for a human being was the love that the Prophet Muhammad gave to Allah. And the greatest love in the universe is the love Allah had for Muhammad and Mustafa. This was a relationship of love. This was a lover and his beloved. So the beloved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was calling his lover, his greatest lover, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to his company. So then Rasulullah went ahead with Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam said that I have a special steed for you. His name is Burak. Burak comes from Burak which means lightning, thunder, the speed of lightning. So Burak is that steed, that animal that can go as fast as lightning. But before the Prophet Muhammad sat on that horse, there was a strange event in hadith called Shakki Sadr, where the angel Jibreel opened up the heart or the breast of Prophet and did something or washed his heart. So the Mashaikh have explained this in many, many different ways. But I'll give you a very simple way of understanding this that some of our shayukh have explained. They explained it like this, that when a person makes salah, he first makes wudu. He first must make wudu on his organs before he can come to salah. So because Prophet ﷺ was going to have a special ibadah called the mi'raj, before that the angel Jibra'il, on the order of Allah put some special rahmas, put some special barakah, or put some special mercy, put some special blessing in the breast of the Prophet Muhammad After that was done, then the Prophet sat on this horse Burak. And then Burak in Jibra'il and the Prophet were all taken at the speed of lightning to Masjid al-Aqsa, where Prophet had not been there before. When Prophet arrived at this Masjid, what did he see? 
that all of the Anbiya, and it comes in some hadith that there were 120,000 or maybe even more prophets in the history of time. All of the prophets were standing there already formed in rows. Imagine the scene, 120,000 people in rows for salah. And Jabrila son said that, O Muhammad and Mustafa wasallam, the muqtadis, the followers are here, there is just a need for an imam. Why do you not step up and become imam and lead the salah? This was that place where Allah SWT made the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ in practice, in reality. Not just our belief that is Imam Al-Anbiya. Physically, in reality, Allah SWT made the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ Imam Al-Anbiya. He was their Imam. All of the Prophets from Adam salam to Isa salam prayed behind the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. When that was done, then Jibreel salam took the Prophet Muhammad salam and said, now there is another mode of transport, another mode of conveyance for you, which in hadith is called rafraf. Rafraf is that thing that takes us to rafah, takes us to heights. That thing which elevates us, you can think of it as some elevator that travels at the speed of lightning. So then Prophet went into this rafraf, this elevator. So the first part of the journey was complete, that is known as Isra. The night journey when Prophet Muhammad went from Baytul Haram, from the Masjid al-Haram in Makkah Mukarramah to the Masjid al-Aqsa in Quds in what is now called Jerusalem. Now the second part of the journey starts which calls the Mi'raj. And the Mi'raj comes from the word Uruj which again means to reach incredible heights. This was going to be that moment in time when Allah raised the Prophet Muhammad to such incredible heights that no human being, no creation was ever made that high or that exalted on that in, any, in the history of time. So the Prophet went inside this rough rough and the rough rough took the Prophet through the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, all the way up to the seven heavens. And then while Prophet went to the seven heavens and reached the arsh, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jibreel alayhi was with him and Prophet saw different things on his way. He was shown certain things about Jannah and from that place in Jannah certain things about Jahannam were revealed to him. So Prophet was given a ziyara or was taken on a visit or if you will taken on a tour of Jannah but also from that Jannah he was some certain scenes of Jahannam were revealed unto him. So some of those that come in Hadith we will mention before you today. The first thing that Prophet saw in Jannah was he saw the qalam, he saw the pen, and he saw the law, or he saw the tablet. And he saw the angels writing the deeds of everybody in this master book of deeds, this law al-mahfuz, this preserved tablet. And he even comes in hadith that he heard the sound of the pen when it was writing. So Prophet saw this with his own mushahada, with his own vision and experience. The second thing he saw, he saw that in Jannah that there were some people who had harvested something, who had planted something, and the crop was coming out, they would sow or they would reap the crop, and immediately again the crop would come again. So he asked, O Jibreel, that what is this? And Jibreel said that, O Messenger of Allah, O Beloved of Allah, this is Allah SWT giving an example of the pious people. That when they do good deeds, when they plant the seed of good deeds, then they get immediate reward, and when they take that reward, Allah gives them again reward. Endless reward for their good deeds, endless barakah for all of the good deeds that they do. Then in the famous story, the Prophet he heard the falling of some footsteps. He heard the pitter-patter, that we say in America at least, pitter-patter, the sound of footsteps. So he asked, Ya Jibreel, 
what is this sound? And he said, Oh, beloved Messenger, know that these are the sounds of the footsteps of your, of your servant Bilal. This is the maqam of the Nabi, that when he came, Imam al-Anbiya, when he came to this world and he trained the human beings, he elevated the level of humanity that even raised or rose above the ranks of angels. He elevated the level of humanity, that he took a Habashi slave, and made him so pious and pure and beloved in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that his footsteps were heard in Jannah. But he asked Jibreel that why are the footsteps being heard? Why is it that his footsteps are here? And Jibreel said that, Oh Muhammad and Mustafa sallallahu know that the steps of even your students, even your attendants are so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah has degree that even if they may step on the farsh, even if they may step on the earth, that Allah wants to hear the sound of their footsteps on His arsh, on His throne. This is the power of the sunnah. This is the power of the deen. That if we love the Prophet Muhammad the way Sayyidina Bilal loved him, if we follow the Quran and sunnah and sharia, the way Sayyidina Bilal followed it, then Allah will elevate us and make human beings even rise above the ranks of angels. But, Prophet Muhammad also saw many things from the scenes of hell on that journey. Things that frightened him. Things that disappointed him rather. Things that saddened him. And those things we should also make mention of tonight. So once, one of the things Prophet saw is he saw that there was an angel with big scissors and there was a human beings with lips and their lips that comes in the teeth were as big as camels and the angels were taking these scissors and just cutting the lips of the people. As soon as they would cut the lips and they would inflict that pain and the lip would be cut, again the lip would form again. And again they would cut it again. And again the big lip would form again. And again they would cut it again. Muhammad the Mustafa looked at this and he said, Ya Jibreel, Oh Jibreel, what is this? Who are these people? And he said, Oh beloved messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, These are the people who use their tongues to create fitna, to create discord amongst the people. He used to spread tales, spread lies, used to exaggerate. So Allah subhanahu is punishing them this day that you used your lips to speak ill of one another. You used your lips to spread fitna. Today this is the punishment for your lips. Then Prophet saw another group of people where the angels were taking their necks and just squeezing their necks, pressing their necks and these people were yelping in pain. And the second they would squeeze the neck, they would move their hand, the neck would be formed again, then they would squeeze it again. And the Prophet said, Oh Jibreel, who are these people? And Jibreel said, Oh Muhammad sallallahu these are those people who were the teachers and preachers of your deen. But instead of uniting the people, they divided the people. They were given this knowledge to unite the people, to bring them to the deen, but instead they are separating people from the deen. Do not join the people with your sunnah. If anybody comes and tries to invite people to sunnah, they will divide them. They will say, no, that is the sunnah of some country. That is the sunnah of some culture. That is the sunnah of some select people. They try to divide the people from your sunnah. They were given this ilm to unite the people to the sunnah. And they try to divide them. They try to create divisions amongst them. They try to play them off against one another. Do anything to keep them from following the Sharia and Sunnah. So today, Allah has decreed that they should be squeezed in such a way. The third punishment that the Prophet saw is that he saw that there were some people, their bodies were like human beings, but their faces were like pigs. 
And Prophet said, Oh Jibreel, who are these people? And Jibreel said, Ya Rasulullah, these are those people who used to bear false testimony, who used to lie and conceal the sins of other people, who their friend used to come to them and say, Oh, just cover for me. Hide my back. Cover my back. They used to lie for the sake of one another. So today Allah says that you had no shame on your faces when you lied against for the sake of one another. Today Allah has made your faces like pinks. The fourth type of punishment, the Prophet saw women, that they were screaming and being punished. He heard their sounds that they were screaming and yelping from some punishment. It comes in hadith, the words of they were squealing like dogs. So he asked Jibreel Islam that who are these people? So Jibreel Islam said, Ya Allah, these are those women who used to disobey their husbands. Who used to let their tongues loose against their husbands. Who when their husband used to give them love, they used to fight back against their husband. They used to be a means of fitna in the household. So today this is their punishment that you are hearing. The fifth example, the Prophet saw some people who were very short in height, and Allah the angels were taking mountains and crushing them with mountains. Then the mountain would go on away, they would get their height back. Then again the mountain would crush them. Crushing them, flattening them over and over and over again. So Rasulullah asked, Oh Jibreel, who are these people? Jibreel said, Ya Rasulullah, these are those people of your ummah. Now look at the new words being used. These are those people who are the mutakabbirin of your ummah. These were those people who were arrogant and haughty, had pride. Vanity, conceit of your ummah. They carried themselves like this. They thought they were something big. Today Allah found Allah crushing them over and over and over again. The sixth type of people, the Prophet saw, that they were people who were given mountains of weight to carry on their shoulders. And every time this huge weight would be placed on their shoulders, they would just fall down. Then again the burden would be picked up and put again on their shoulders. Again they would be crushed under the weight. Over and over again, Rasulullah asked, Oh Jibreel, who are these people? Jibreel said, Ya Rasulullah, these are those people from your ummah who were not trustworthy in their amanat, in the things that people deposited with them. They were not careful with the trust that people gave them. People entrusted them with something and they misused, they abused that trust. So because in the dunya they did not carry that trust they were supposed to carry properly, and the punishment of hellfire for them will that they will be made to carry these heavy burdens over and over again. Then Rasulullah saw another group of people. Listen to this one carefully. That he saw that there were people that the angels were taking huge rocks, boulders, and smashing it against their forehead, cracking their skull and spilling their brains that immediately the skull would be formed again, and again a boulder would be used to smash their brains. He said, Oh Jibreel, who are these people? Jibreel said, Ya Rasulullah, these are those people from your ummah who didn't pray their salah. These are those people in your ummah who were not regular in their salah. These are those people in your ummah who in this world did not use their forehead to prostrate themselves to you. To prostrate themselves to Naldabillah. To prostrate themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They did not bow their forehead to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the world. So today Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is smashing their foreheads over and over and over again. And we should listen to these things carefully because if we want to study and understand the night of Mi'raj and Nabi, then we should know everything that happened on that night. All of these things I'm telling you are not just random hadith. These are all the things that Prophet Muhammad saw on that night of his Mi'raj. On that ascension of the Prophet 
on that night when humanity was given the greatest rank in the history of the universe, but these things were also shown for a perspective, as a warning, so Prophet would know. So listen to these things carefully. The eighth thing, the Prophet saw the eighth type of people, that they had their private parts, their private organs coming out from their forehead. And from those parts was pus, was dripping down and they were being made to drink it. He asked Shah Jibreel, who are these people who are being disgraced in such a way? Jibreel said that, O oh, Rasulullah, these are those men and women from your ummah who used to commit zina, who used to have unlawful relations with one another. This will be the punishment on that day, and the punishment in the hellfire. The tenth type of people. Oh, this your message, only nine. Then, what happened after that? That after the Prophet went through all of these stages and he reached the arsh, he reached the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then they went above the arsh, but then all of a sudden, Jibreel alayhi salam, he stopped. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I was your companion from Makkah to Jerusalem. I was your companion from Jerusalem to the first, all the way to the seventh of the heavens. I was your companion right up to the arsh, and right now, right above the arsh. But now, Rasulullah has come this borderline. That if I go one step further, my wings will be burnt. That there is so much jalal, so much majesty of Allah subhanahu wa that from this point onwards, nobody in the history of the universe, no creation is gone, only tonight you can go ahead alone. So it is like when somebody brings the lover to the door of the beloved, but then says, now you can go in the door and go in and meet the beloved on your own. So Jibreel Islam had done his job. He had brought the lover, the Prophet Muhammad right up to the door of the beloved. But now he reached a point where even he could not go any further. The Prophet Muhammad continued on his own. And the reality is that whatever little we will share with you from hadith that we know, the reality is that nobody really knows the full depths of what happened between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and between the beloved messenger at that moment. But there are a few incredible things that happened. Things that we should reflect on tonight. Things that we should know. So when Prophet went ahead, it comes in the فَأَوْهَا إِلَىٰ أَبْدِهِ مَا أَوْهَا That we reveal to our servant whatever it is that we reveal to him. These are the secrets between the beloved and their lover. But then also Allah SWT says about the Prophet لَقَدْ رَآ مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبْرَىٰ but at the same time, Prophet he did see some ayat, some signs, some incredible signs of his beloved Lord, of his Rabb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no one knows what exactly happened, what all the details are. But the first thing that happened, Prophet shared with us when he came back, is that when he went ahead and was then reached the presence, was placed in front of the court of his beloved in all the majesty and splendor and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Prophet began to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in three ways. So what did he say? He said, At-tahiyyatu lillahi. At-tahiyyat means that, O oh Allah, I testify to you that all of my verbal praises, all of the praises I sing with you with my tongue, all of the ibadat I do with you with my tongue, all of them are for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Was-salawat. And all of the praises, all of the ibadat I make with my body, they are also for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But tayyibat, and all the money I spend, all the sacrifices I've made for the deen, everything is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way. 
Three things. So Allah also His mercy came into power. And He said, Oh my servant, you have praised me in three ways. I will also send three things on you. And what did Allah say? He said, As-salamu alayka ya ayuhan nabi. That may my salam, may my be peace be upon you. Wa rahmatullahi and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa barakatuhu and his barakah. So Prophet Muhammad praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in three ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent three mercies upon him. Now at that moment, when Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was so close to Allah, had the proximity of Allah that no creation had ever had, should have been lost in drowning himself, in becoming intoxicated in the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But look at the beloved messenger. He was sent, ma arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil'alameen. He was a rahmah for the alameen. He could not just think of himself. So when Allah said this, As-salamu alayka ya ayuhan nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Prophet he immediately remembered his ummah and he cried out, As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. That at this moment, in your proximity, in your closeness, Ya Allah, you send your salam, your rahmah, your barakah on me. I will not forget my ummah. I will cry out at this moment. That means Prophet ﷺ made dua for us, his sinning servants, at this noble moment when he was so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rahmatan lil'alameen. Such a mercy to the ummah. He never, ever forgot his ummah. Never. And how much do we forget him? Look at this beloved messenger. Even in the depths of his relationship with Allah, he never forgets us. And we, for the sake of a few seconds of worldly pleasures, we forget all about him. We forget all of his sunnahs. We forget all of his sunnahs. We forget everything. Just for the sake of a trifle in the dunya. And when he was in the majestic court of Allah Ta'ala, he did not forget us. And he said, As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. The angels, although they were not present, they could not go to that path. It comes in these that the angels heard this. They heard this conversation. They were amazed at the rahmah of the beloved messenger. So they said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. The angels testified to that at that moment. And this entire thing became a gift for our salah. Because whenever the lover and the beloved meet, the beloved likes to give his lover a gift to take back with him. So this gift that we say every moment and every time we pray salah, this at-tahiyyat, sometimes we say it twice in certain salah. This was a gift that Prophet got from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first part was the words of Allah. The, the, the beginning was the words of Prophet He sent three praises on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah sent three blessings on him. Then Prophet made dua for his ummah at that moment. And then the angels were so amazed at this whole conversation that they heard. Then they said to Shahud. So it means that he became Imam al-Malaika at that moment. That all of the angels, because before... You, I will mention this later that the angels of the arsh the angels of the throne had not seen the Prophet physically in front of them not all the angels used to come down to earth not all of the angels would bring revelation but all the angels during this mi'raj they all saw the Prophet they all heard this conversation and they all testified to his prophethood the second thing as all of you know that happened is that we got this gift of salah now all of you know this famous story that Prophet went up, Allah SWT told him to pray 50 salah. And when he came back, he met Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam said, oh what happened? And Prophet said that Allah SWT has given me this uh, duty that I should make 50 salah first upon my ummah. And Musa alayhi salam, Allah Taala also asked me to tell my ummah to pray. And you know the stories of the ummah of Musa alayhi salam. 
that he also told me to tell my ummah to pray, but they were unable to do so. Go back in Al-Fantala to lessen the load. Prophet went back. It was reduced by five. He came back and said, Oh, Musa, now it's 45. Musa said, Go back. Prophet went back. It kept on getting reduced by five, in increments of five until eventually it was reduced to five salah. And then Musa and Prophet said it was fine. Now, a lot of people of this dunya, the people who have their akal, people who love to, t- to worship their brain, they say, What type of hadith is this? That Al-Fatala first said 50, and the Prophet is going back and saying, bring it to 45, to 40, to 35, to 30. What is the purpose in this? What was the hikmah, what was the wisdom in this? So listen carefully, may Allah Ta'ala give the jazami, he award our ulama, our shayukh, our mashayikh, who explain these secrets, these hikmats, these wisdoms to us. They said the wisdom in this. Why did Prophet keep going back? Because Allah Ta'ala wanted to show for the history of humanity, for the history of the universe, that don't think that Jibril Islam brought Allah, but brought the Messenger to my door, and he came to me once, and then after he left, the door was closed. But the door of the beloved, the beloved, once it was open to his lover, the lover can come in as freely, as often as he wants. The Prophet had open entry. He came down, he could go back again. He came down, he can still go back again. He came down, he still went back again. Over and over, Prophet kept going back into the court, into the presence of Allah Taala. The hikmah in this, the wisdom of this was to show that know that this servant of mine is so beloved to me that he can come whenever he wants. This is why Prophet went back over and over again. So then this other gift was given to us in this incredible way, these five salah. So imagine such an incredible moment that if we are people who wish to take the barakah from this night of Miraj and Nabi, how can we take that barakah without becoming people of salah? Such a beautiful conversation, how can we fail to say that? At-tahiyatulillahi. We should be yearning to pray salah if for no other reason just to say these words. Just to think that Prophet made this to offer me. How can I fail to say this? As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin five times a day at the appropriate times in every salah. Just this desire alone, if we take just this desire alone from tonight, it means we've gotten a lot of the barakah from this night of Miraj al-Nabi. Sallallahu alayhi wa So this night was all about the salah. Many things in this night were about the salah, even about the specific gifts that Allah gave us in our salah. Another strange thing, is that all of you know the world stopped. And when Prophet then came back, eventually, when he went back to his home, he found that his bed was still warm. He found that the water of his wudu was still present. It seemed that just a few moments, a few seconds had passed. This is another thing that the Mashiach could explain. That Al-Fatullah stopped the whole universe when Prophet left it and came above his arsh. Because the reason Al-Fatullah created the whole universe was that Prophet was their Imam al-Qul. The whole universe was created for the sake of humanity. And the best of humanity was the Prophet Muhammad So when he was taken out of the universe, there was no need to keep the universe running. Another way I'm a shaykh explain it is like this. That there's a tradition of the farmers. That back in the day when we used to be humble people, lead simple lives. That when we used to farm, on the, uh, we used to plow the farm for 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, there would be a time of lunch. That when the farmer would be plowing the field, and he would be waiting for his wife to come and bring him the lunch. So when he would sense and smell the odor of the food, that his wife is bringing the food, then he would stop the plow and he would sit, stop the, plowing the field, and he would sit down and have a meal and spend some time with his beloved wife. 
So they do tashbih, they put this in the form of poetry, they make a simile, they coin this as an example. That Allah is running the whole universe. He's running the plow, the system of the universe. But when his beloved Messiah came to meet him, he stopped running the universe and isolated himself in the company of Prophet Muhammad So all time stopped, the entire universe came to a standstill while all of these things happened and then Prophet came back to his bed. Now what happened as soon as the Prophet came back? So he told the Quraysh, Prophet used to tell everything. He shared with the believers. He told the Kufar, the Quraysh of Mecca, what happened, thinking that maybe now they will believe in me. Those people who rejected me for so many years, who put economic sanctions on me, maybe now they will believe in me. And still the Kufar of Quraysh, they just listened, and they said, oh, what type of wives' tale is this? That you can go all the way there, and then say you went all the way up there, and then you came all the way back down, and all just in a matter of a few seconds. Then they challenged them and said, oh, 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 they challenged them and said, if you were truly there, some of them had been to Quds, tell us what are the tiles like in the roof of Masjid al-Aqsa. So Prophet said that, oh, I, I was so busy making imamat, I was so lost in the incredible experience, I didn't have time to notice the tiles of Masjid al-Aqsa. So the kuffar started making a mockery of him and whispering amongst them that look at this, how easily we defeated his story. Immediately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up to the Prophet's eyes the entire scene of Masjid al-Aqsa. And not only did he describe the tiles, he described each and everything about it. But still those people's hearts were hard, they did not take hidayah, and they simply said, oh, that he is some type of magician. Abu Jahal then left and he started to walk home. When Abu Jahal went home, he saw Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq in the path. So he thought he would take the test of Abu Bakr. He said, oh Abu Bakr, is it possible for somebody to go from Makkah all the way to Quds, and then come back again just in the matter of a few seconds. Abu Bakr said, no, that's not, impo- that's not possible at all. So then Abu Jahl thought that he could strike a blow. And he said, well, your prophet, the person you claim to be prophet, he said he has just done that. Immediately Abu Bakr, he stood up, his heart raised up. He said, if my prophet said that, then surely it is possible. So Allah Ta'ala loved this about Abu Bakr Siddiq so much that he got the luck-up. He earned the title of As-Siddiq, of the truthful one, the one who testifies to the truth. So my friends, we also have to testify to the truth of the messengerhood. We also have to testify to the truth of the sunnah. We have to be Siddiq as Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu was. He is the greatest example for all of the Muslims. Then some of the ulama, the mashayikh right there, what were the wisdoms? What was the reason why this whole event of Mi'raj took place? So listen to some of the strange things that our shayukh have collected. Number one, they say that one of the reasons why Allah Allah called the beloved messenger to him is because Allah Allah wanted to speak to the messenger bilal wasita without any intermediary. He said that, oh my messenger, I have communicated you through, with, communicated with you through Jibreel in this world. Now comes a moment when the lover and beloved want to be alone. When the beloved wants to meet the lover directly, so he called Prophet up to him so that he could speak and converse and meet and give him wahi directly as I mentioned in the ayah before. Not through the intermediary of the angel Jibreel The second, which I also mentioned before, was that Allah wanted that even the angels that were on the arsh of the throne of Allah, that even those angels should see Prophet Muhammad they should see his rahmah. They should also testify the rahmat al-alameen. And I already explained to you how that happened. The third thing is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to make the Prophet Imam al-Kul. So 
So in Makkah Mukarramah, because he was the prophet of the time, he was Imam al-Insan of all the human beings of that time. When he came to Masjid Aqsa, he did Imamat, he led the Anbiyan prayer, he became Imam al-Anbiya. And it comes in summer wide, even in heaven he made Imamat of all of the angels, so he became Imam al-Mala'ika. The fifth thing, is that Allah SWT was rewarding the Prophet for all of the hardships he had in his life. So once, I told you the story that the kuffar offered everything in the world to the Prophet They offered him all the money he wanted. They offered him power and positions. They offered him any woman. And he had responded that, Oh, my uncle, no. That even if these people put the moon in one hand and the sun in one hand, I will still not leave preaching the message with which I have been sent. So Allah wanted to say that, Come to me, my beloved messenger. If the kuffar offered you and showed you everything they had, then I am your Rabb, I will also show you everything I have. And Allah SWT called the Prophet up to his presence and took him through this whole tour and showed him all these things so that Allah SWT could also offer him and show him everything that Allah SWT had and that the entire Jannah and the greatest strengths of Jannah are only for the beloved Messenger Wasallam and his noble companions and his followers. And the sixth thing is that Prophet Wasallam, Allah SWT wants to answer that dua. We said that at the house of Umm Hani, Prophet fell asleep making this dua. That, oh Allah, is there not some friend who can comfort me? Is there not somebody who can put ease in my heart? So Allah in answering of that dua, after so many years of hardship and struggle, he called the Prophet up to his beloved company in his presence to put that ease. To show Prophet I am your friend. I am your true friend. The seventh thing, Prophet wanted to show the Christians. That if any of the Christians take some pride, that Isa alayhi salam, look he is, Allah took him up to the heavens, he is sitting as we believe in our hadith, he's in the fourth heaven. So Allah wants to show the Muslims that yes, although Isa salam has been taken up to the heavens, and one day he will return, but Prophet is still greater than him, we will take him not only up to the seventh heaven, but even to the arsh, and even beyond that, this is to show the greatness of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The eighth reason some ulama write, is that all of creation, including the Prophet ﷺ, used to praise Allah without ever having been in his company, without ever having seen Jannah. So then Allah decided that there should be one member of all of creation who actually gets to see all these things in Jannah and gets to be in the presence of Allah SWT. So Allah brought the Prophet ﷺ up for that reason. The next reason that the ulama write is that whenever a king likes his friend, Whenever a king is close to somebody, then he invites his friend at some point and takes him on a tour of his palace. Just like that, Allah was in love with the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet was his friend. He wanted to invite him and take him on a tour of Jannah and of his arsh. The next reason they write was to give ease to the Prophet ﷺ when he made his shifa. Because as all of you know, there's this famous hadith, that on the Day of Judgment, there will be total pandemonium, total chaos, total terror in the hearts of every human being. So the human beings will try to go to their prophets. The people will go to Adam salam and say, Ya Adam, make some dua to Allah Adam salam, I can't. I made that mistake once in the beginning of my life. I'm too scared, embarrassed to say anything in front of Allah They will go to each and every prophet. Every prophet will turn it down. Finally, they will come to the prophet Muhammad wasallam, and he will make some dua. It comes in hadith that the angels of Islam once came to the prophet and said that all the prophets have one dua that is accepted exactly in the way they make it. Otherwise the du'as of the prophets are always accepted. But Allah may accept them in different ways. But the prophets get one du'a, that Allah will accept that du'a guaranteed exactly in the manner in which the prophet chooses to make. So then the Sahaba asked the O Rasulullah, what du'a did you make? 
And the Prophet says that, no, I have kept my dua in reserve. I have kept my dua for that day of judgment. That when Allah wants to take the account of sins of my sinning believers, <coughs> Allah wants to punish the Muslims of my Ummah for all their sins, I will use my dua on that day, and I will pray to Allah that, Oh Allah, please forgive the members of my Ummah. And more than that, it comes in one of these, Allah will say that I will not enter Jannah until all of my believing, uh, the believing members of my Ummah enter Jannah. Look at the mercy, this is rahmatun lil alameen, the mercy of the world. But we must do some things in life to earn that mercy. We must make sure that on the Day of Judgment we are raised up amongst the, pe- the people of the Prophet Muhammad What if on that day we have no room under that flag? What if we are rejected on that day and not allowed to stand in the ranks of the Muslimin and the Mu'mineen? So these things are for those people who will be Muslimin and Mu'mineen. So on that Day of Judgment the Prophet will bow down in sajda and the people will be so worried that Allah has not even started the hisab. So the Prophet will bow down in sajda and praise Allah comes in a hadith in some miraculous, some incredible way of praise that just because of that Allah will then begin the whole process of the Day of Judgment of taking account of the tests, of the trials, of the decisions and of the punishments. There are a few other things. But the thing that we have to think about now is on this night. How can we take benefit on this night? All these incredible things happened 1400 and some years ago. Now with the nisbah, with the relationship we have with that moment in time. That, oh Allah, we can invoke this night in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That this is bit ayamillah, this is one of the days of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That oh Allah, on this special night, when you bestowed upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu such an incredible rank, such an incredible thing, and he made such an incredible dua for us, on this night, Ya Allah, today we pledge that we make tawbah, that we repent of our ways. We want you to give us our own mi'raj on this night. Take us out from the depths of the darkness of our sin, and elevate us into the light of taqwa, of tahara, of piety and purity. Give us a spiritual mi'raj. We might not get a physical mi'raj that we can go up to the Jannah, but Ya Allah, on this night you can give us a spiritual mi'raj. To do that, we have to be sincere in our tawbah. We have to sincerely repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how do you repent to Allah? Fakih Abu Allah has written that there are some things that you have to do to make your tawbah, to make your repentance acceptable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first thing is, you must pledge sincerely in your heart that you will not commit sin. And sometimes shaitan tricks us. And he makes us think that, what can I do? I always fall into this sin. How can I sit here in the house of Allah on such a blessed night and pledge to Allah that I will leave this particular sin when I know I'm just going to fall in that sin again? Well, know that you still must take advantage of this opportunity. You must make dua that, Oh Allah, I'm so weak, I cannot take myself out of this sin. But Ya Allah, You are Hamar Rahimeen. You are powerful over everything. If You wish it to be so, Allah Ta'ala, You can take me out of this sin. So on this night, I don't simply pledge that I will leave my sin, but I beg of you, Allah, that you take me out of sin. And do not think that worry if you might fall into that sin again. Just imagine a piece of clothing. If a piece of clothing gets dirty, do you ever think that what's the point of washing it? I'm just going to wear it and get it dirty again? Nobody thinks like that. The second a piece of clothing gets dirty, we think we must wash it immediately. And when we put it back on, we will again try our best to keep it clean. Just like that, the believer should always make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
it comes, and sometimes people wonder that if I keep sinning, I make tawbah, I sin again, I make tawbah again. So what will happen? So Allah SWT wants to see, it comes in a day that if a servant is raised to Allah SWT like that, that he used to commit sin and then repent, but then do the same sin again, and then again repent. The Allah SWT will say to the angels, that all my angels, even though shaitan never gave up, or shaitan or the nafs, never gave up, was unrelenting in making this person commit sin, but my servant, he was also unrelenting in getting up and making my tawbah. Just like a boxer, every time he fights, if he gets knocked down, his coach will not be upset at him unless he fails to stand up. So just like that, if shaitan and our nafs knock us down, our job is to stand back up. Even if we know we're going to get knocked back, right back down again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may forgive us for getting knocked down, only if we always remember to stand up. So Allah Ta'ala will accept our, the tawbah that we make over and over again. So the first condition of our tawbah is that we should pledge sincerely in our hearts that we do not wish that we will never commit this sin again. And we should never despair of the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Listen to Quran. Allah says in Quran, قُلْ يَا إِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَصْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ لَا تَقْنَتُوا مَا رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ so this address is to Alladina Asrafu, that those people who wrong their souls, it means Allah Allah is addressing the sinners. And what does he tell them? That all you who have sinned repeatedly, in many different ways, over and over again, sinned against yourself, sinned against others, sinned alone, sinned in the company of others, sinned during the day, sinned in the night, you lied to cover your sins, you concealed your sins. La taknatu rahmatullah. That do not despair of the mercy of Allah. That Allah's mercy can envelop and forgive you for all of your sins. And how did Allah address us? He didn't address us as fusaq, as fujar. He said, ibad. He still called us our servants. He said, ya ibad. He didn't just say servants. He said, ya ibadi, oh my servants. So it means that all those of us who fall into sin, do not despair of the mercy of Allah and know Allah still includes you amongst His ibad. He still includes you amongst His servants. The second thing that we have to do tonight is it comes in hadith. This hadith is about Laylatul Qadr. But we can think about it that it will obviously apply to this night as well because Laylatul Qadr is even a greater night than tonight. It comes in hadith. <coughs> it comes in hadith that the dua of everybody on Laylatul Qadr is accepted except that Muslim woman or that Muslim man who has grudges against her fellow Muslims inside her heart. If he has spite, malice, anger towards his fellow Muslim. If he is upset at his fellow Muslim. And this is the condition of us everywhere. There are two guys working together, they can't get along. There are two imams in the masjid, they can't get along. There are two teachers in the place, they can't get along. Two brothers, two sisters, two sister-in-laws, in-laws, people cannot get along. We have such grudges inside of ourselves, that in our heart we hate that person. We say to our friends, I don't want to see that person's face. We think in our heart that I wish that person would just be removed from the face of the earth. So much bughaz, so much hatred and spite we have to our fellow Muslim. So on this night, in addition, what we must do is we must forgive all the people. We must forgo all our rights in everybody. Because Allah said, Qur'an, He described us, وَآفِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ That they are forgiving towards the people. So if we forgive everybody on this night and we say, Ya Allah, I forgive all of these people because they are your servants. I forgive them only for your sake. I forgive and forgo the rights of anybody I have. I make intention that I will patch up all the grudges. I will make up in all my relationships. Ya Allah, then you are more generous than me. 
you are more merciful than me, if I can forgive them for your sake, surely Allah tonight you can forgive me for your sake. So the second thing that we have to do tonight, number one, we have to make a firm commitment to leave all our sins. Number two, we must forgive everybody else in our hearts. Number three, we must pledge tonight that we will keep ourselves away from bad company. We will stay away from the evil friend. Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah, listen to me carefully. Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah, the famous Shafi legal scholar, the famous Sufi Shaykh, he writes in one of his books that a bad friend is even worse than a snake. Why? Because when a snake bites you, when a snake slings you, the poisonous bite sends you into the mouth of death, but when a bad friend, the evil friend bites you, he sends you into the mouth of the hellfire. Then he took it one step further. He said the bad friend is even worse than shaitan. Why? Because shaitan, he only whispers to you or invites you to sin. But the bad friend, she will come and she will take your hand. She will invite you to sin. She will take you to the place of sin. She will pressure you to commit that sin. She will not rest until she sees you involved in that sin and she accompanies in that sin. So he said the bad friend is even worse than shaitan. So tonight we must testify, we must pledge to Allah that Ya Allah, not only do I make tawbah today, but I will leave all those people who invite me to sin. I will leave all those gatherings of sin. What we say in a dua, dua kunut, one of the ways of making dua kunut, that oh Allah, we do khula, we exclude ourselves, we isolate ourselves, and we reject, we repudiate, we will leave those people, those people who disobey you. So the third aspect to our tawbah tonight must be that, oh Allah, we will, we will leave and we will reject all the people that invite us to your sin. May Allah give us the tawfiq on this blessed night to become people who follow the sunnah, to become people of tawbah. And there is a sunnah tradition of our mashayikh, a special way of making tawbah that we will do tonight, inshallah. Allah says in Quran, فَاسْتَكِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَكْ ma'ak." That all oh, Prophet have istikama, remain steadfast as you have been commanded. وَالَّذِينَ تَعْبَ مَعَكْ And those people who make tawbah with you. So the Sahaba mind, they made tawbah with the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. And then after the Prophet passed away, the Tabi'in people used to enter Islam and they used to make tawbah with the Sahaba. And then people used to make tawbah with each and every generation. So much of this has continued to this day. That we make tawbah in the company of our elders. Why? Because tawbah is a type of dua. And all of you know in hadith it comes that if a group of people make du'a together, that if the du'a of even one of them is accepted, then the du'a of all of them are accepted. So today if we make tawbah together, who knows today what sincere young man is repenting from his sins? Who knows today which sincere young woman will repent from her sins? Who knows today which one of us his tawbah will be accepted? And through the barakah of that person, all of our tawbah will be accepted. And Allah Ta'ala can forgive us for all our sins if we pledge not to commit them again. If we pledge that we will stay away from the people of sin. If we make those commitments, if we forgive other people in our hearts, if we are sincere in our intention, it is not difficult for Allah Ta'ala to accept our tawbah. May Allah give us the ability to make tawbah. Wash all the filth away and change my dead heart. Wash all the filth away and change my dead heart. Make me alive again, give me a fresh start. Wash all the filth away and change my dead heart. 
Make me alive again, give me a fresh start So change my heart, please, and wash the filth away So change my heart, please, and wash the filth away Don't leave me drowning here alone and astray I spent my life running away from you Ya Allah, I spent my life running away from you And now I have nowhere to turn except you I turn to you and begging you to be saved I turn to you and begging you to be saved And change me into an obedient slave I have been doing all my life what I craved Shaitan and nafs have always had me enslaved I am ashamed that I have broken your rules Worship my nafs and a few ignorant fools I am ashamed that I have broken your rules Worship my nafs and a few ignorant fools But now I know the path leading me to thee But now I know the path leading me to thee I bow to you, am asking you to help me I wish your name to be engraved in my heart I wish your name to be engraved in my heart I will be grateful to you, change this dead heart I'm at your door, I'm begging you, let me in I'm at your door, I'm begging you, let me in Don't push me back to my hopeless life of sin So change my heart and forgive my sins this day Don't leave me drowning here alone and astray Wash all the filth away and change my dead heart Make me alive again, give me a fresh start La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Raise your hands in dua Subhana Rabbi wa Allah wa salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin Rabbana ya Allah our kind and generous Lord Ya Allah who gave us birth who nurtured us from the moment we were born who gave us everything that we have in this world Zalamna anfusana ya Allah we have wronged ourselves we have left the ways of the sunnah we have left the ways of your beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi ya allah we have broken your commands we have deceived ourselves ya allah we have betrayed none other but ourselves ya allah we beg of you on this day shower your maghfirah upon us shower your forgiveness upon us ya allah shower your rahmah upon us 
Shower your mercy upon us. Ya Allah, forgive us for all of our sins. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did in the day. Forgive us for the sins that we did at night. Forgive us for the sins that we did in the past. Forgive us for the sins that we still do in the present. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did alone. Forgive us for the sins that we did with others. Forgive us for the sins that we did to ourselves. Forgive us for the sins that we did to others. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we hid. Forgive us for the sins that we concealed. Ya Allah, we could conceal them from all of creation. But Ya Allah, we could never conceal them from you. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our hands. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our feet. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our heart. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our minds. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our tongues. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our ears. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, it would have been your right to take our sight away. It would have been your right to cripple us. Ya Allah, it is only your rahmah, your hilm that you have not punished us. Ya Allah, we beg of you. Ya Allah, Ya Kareem. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, on this blessed night, on this night of the Mi'raj, Ya Allah, on this night when you let the Prophet become so close to you, Ya Allah, we are also members of his ummah. Ya Allah, we also wish to be close to you. Ya Allah, when you drew the Prophet to the most close to you, Ya Allah, we also want to feel your qurb. We also want to feel your closeness. We also want to feel your love. Ya Allah, ta'ala shower your rahmah upon us. Ya Allah, let us feel your love in our hearts. Ya Allah, put the love for you in our heart. Put fear for you in our heart. Ya Allah, make our heart be one that remembers you. Let our tongue be one that remembers you. Let our eyes be one that remembers you. <coughs> from the tip of our hair to the soles of our feet, Ya Allah, make us follow the sunnah. Ya Allah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, make us follow the sunnah. And from entire and our entire spirit and soul, adorn us with your ma'rafah, with your knowledge. Ya Allah, if it is difficult for all us to follow the sunnah and sharia, Ya Allah, make it easy for us to follow the sunnah and sharia. Ya Allah, if we are still lazy, if we still resist, Ya Allah, drag us from our hair into the sunnah and sharia. Ya Allah, it is better that you drag us today than we be embarrassed in front of you in the day of judgment. Ya Allah, save us from the people of sin. Save us from the gatherings of sin. Save us from the friends who invite us to sin. Ya Allah, we are your weak servants. Ya Allah, save us from the opportunities of sin. Ya Allah, we are your weak servants. Ya Allah, save us from the thoughts and whisperings of sin. Ya Allah, erase all the records of all of our sins. Ya Allah, erase the traces of sin from our heart. Ya Allah, erase the memories of the pleasures of sin from our minds. Ya Allah, remove our addiction to sin. Ya Allah, let us taste your pleasure. Let us taste the pleasure of your ibadah. Let us taste the pleasure of salah. Let us place the pleasure of zikr so that we may forget the pleasures of the sin. So that we may forget the pleasures that this world has to offer. Ya Allah, give us a spiritual miraj today. Ya Allah, raise our spirits today. Ya Allah, the beloved messenger Salaam in your presence made dua for us. Ya Allah, include us amongst the ibadah salihin. Include us amongst the pious servants so that we may include him in this dua. Ya Allah, when he never forgot us at that moment, Ya Allah, tell we forgive you for having forgotten him. Ya Allah, we pledge to you to this day that we will leave all the sins that we do. We pledge to you today that we forgive all the grudges and all the things and all the rights people have over us. Ya Allah, we pledge to you today that we will leave the people of sin, the people who invite us to sin. We will leave the people of temptation. Ya Allah, we pledge you, we sincere and repentance to you. Ya Allah, when a child is weak, he runs to his mother, and the mother cares to every one of his needs. Ya Allah, we are your weak servants, we are running to you. 
Ya Allah, there is no other place for us to turn except you. Ya Allah, you may have billions of servants, but Ya Allah, we have only one you. Ya Allah, for you, there is, for us, there is only one you. Ya Allah, shower your mercy upon us. If you do not forgive us on this night, then where else can we go? If you do not forgive us in this house, this masjid, this house of Allah, Ya Allah, where other home can we go? Ya Allah, no host denies his guest request. And no host lets his guest go away empty-handed. Ya Allah, we are guests in your house. <coughs> ya Allah, do not let us go empty-handed. Ya Allah, you yourself commanded in Quran, tanhar. You commanded us, your weak servants, not to deny the beggar, not to deny the questioner. Ya Allah, that is the ruling for us. Ya Allah, we too are your sa'il. We too are begging at your door. Ya Allah, Hamar Rahimeen. Ya Allah, the most generous of lords. Ya Allah, do not throw our du'as back on us. Ya Allah, have mercy on us this night. Ya Allah, before any one of us drop our hands, let all of our tawbah be accepted. Ya Allah, today the young man is making tawbah of his zina. The young man is making tawbah of the sins he did with his eyes. Ya Allah, the young man is repenting from all the women that he looked at. Ya Allah, the young man is crying to you, Allah, to take him out of that sin. Ya Allah, the young woman is crying to you to take her out of that sin. Ya Allah, we want to be people who lower our gaze. We want to be people who take pleasure in you. Ya Allah, we have been caught in the ways of this world. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves and fallen into these sins. Ya Allah, Ya Rahmah, Your Karam, Your Generosity, Your Only Your Mercy can take us out of this. Ya Allah, we beg of You, we don't want to be people of sin. Ya Allah, don't push us back into that sin. Ya Allah, we don't want to commit those sins again. Ya Allah, through Your mercy, take us out of these sins. Ya Allah, on this gathering... There are some men and women who have white hair on their hairs, white hair on their heads, or white hair in their beards. Ya Allah, your beloved Messenger Sallallahu said that you take haya, you have modesty in taking the soul of the person who has, whose hairs have grown white in your deen. Ya Allah, these men with white hair, they are asking for your tawbah. They're asking you to forgive them for their sins. They're asking you to forgive them for the sins that they committed in their youth. Forgive us for the sins that we committed when we were young. Forgive us for the sins that we've even forgotten that we did them. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we remember. Ya Allah, in the barakah of their white hair, Ya Allah, accept all of our tawbah. Ya Allah, today there will be young children here, innocent ones before the age of maturity who are also raising their hands, also saying, Ameen. Ya Allah, we invoke their innocence before you. Ya Allah, in their innocent hands, accept our dua. Ya Allah, please forgive us. Ya Allah, anybody who may have any worry, any difficulty on this night, Ya Allah, remove all of our worries. Ease all of our difficulties. <coughs> ya Allah, that just one glance of your rahmah, one glance of your love, one glance of your mercy, Ya Allah, all our difficulties will be removed. Ya Allah, those of us who are sick, grant us health. Ya Allah, those of us who have financial difficulty, grant us the risky halal tayyib, the purest and noblest forms of wealth. And Ya Allah, those of us who have only our own laziness to blame, Ya Allah, make us people of action. Ya Allah, make us people of energy. Ya Allah, make us people of ibadah. Ya Allah, bless this masjid. Ya Allah, make this masjid a shining light of the Qur'an, Sunnah, and Sharia. Ya Allah, fill the halls of this masjid with the people of taqwa. Ya Allah, make this masjid always produce the people of taqwa. Ya Allah, send your special rahmah on the imams of this masjid, Shaykh Mulana Dawood. Ya Allah, reward him for all of his efforts. Ya Allah, put a love and respect in the hearts of the people for him. Ya Allah, make him a shining light of the Qur'an, Sunnah, and Sharia in this community. Ya Allah, accept the efforts of all the people involved in this masjid. Ya Allah, reward the people who even look at this masjid with the of love. Ya Allah, we pray for all the Muslims of this community, all the Muslims of this area, the Muslims of this country, the Muslims of the Ummah. Ya Allah, 
save us from the punishment of the hellfire. Ya Allah, save us from the punishment of the grave. Ya Allah, save us from the trials of the day of judgment. Ya Allah, will we be accepted on that day of judgment? Ya Allah, accept us on that day of judgment. Accept us and let us also drink at the hands of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi from the Hazrat Kothar. Let us also stand in his presence. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of the Prophet. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of the Sahaba. Ya Allah, Prophet said that his wives are the Omahatul Mu'mineen. Ya Allah, no son wishes to be embarrassed in front of his mothers. Ya Allah, no son wishes to be exposed in front of his mothers. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of Amma Aisha and Amma Khadija. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins and make us naked in front of our mothers. Ya Allah, do not show them replays of all the sins that we used to commit in this world. Ya Allah, how will we show our faces before our mothers on that day? How will we show our faces in front of the Prophet on that day? How will we carry ourselves on that day if you show our sins to everybody on that day? Ya Allah, we beg of you today, erase all the records of our sins. Forgive us for all the sins that we committed. Ya Allah, do not take us to account on the day of judgment. Ya Allah, through your Rahman Karam, help us to enter the Jannah. And let us enter the Jannah without having to go through the hellfire. Ya Allah, accept the tears of Tawbah today. Accept the fire of Tawbah today. And make it a means of saving us from the fire of hell. Rabbana taqabal minna, innaka anta samiulaneem. وتوب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين آمين